Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift. And I am really glad that you took the time to tune in today. And I guarantee you're not going to be disappointed. Uh, I have a special guest, author, uh, holistic guide, spiritualist, and entrepreneur. And her name is Lucy Bird Hope. And she has a fantastic, I've been digging around on her website, and she's got some fantastic resources And she's really, really, I think, a caring and compassionate person about helping people through really difficult times. So Lucy, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to hear because I know that you do so much stuff to help people. So tell tell us a little bit about your backstory. You're a spiritualist, a holistic guide. I know you've done some alternative medicine training. I know you've got Reiki skills. I know you got a whole bunch of stuff going on in your background. So what, what got you on this path to this more spiritual sort of side of uh, entrepreneurship than, than many women take? Mm, Great question. So I've always been interested in the mind-body connection and the power the mind has over our lives. I majored in psychology and so started delving in there. And then it was about seven years ago that I got into the spiritual side. I started with a class on mindfulness and I just fell in love. The concept of being in the present moment and living in awareness, it just changed everything for me. And then about five years ago, I went through some big trauma and that pain really motivated me to seek anything and everything I could to feel better. That led me to so much of what I do now with Reiki. I went to get it and I just loved it. I had it done to me and I loved it so much that I went to get certified myself and here I am now I perform Reiki on other people. So that was just a natural evolution and I have a book daily alignment that just came out and that all came from my pain too really I was just was going through trauma and waking up every day just feeling so bad and throughout the day whether it's from literature or a friend or one of many therapists I would find a way to feel better and by the end of the day I'd be I'd be better but in the morning again I would just feel awful Right. So what I started doing was writing the things that I learned down on a piece of paper and I put it right by my bed. And the moment I woke up, I would read from that paper and replace my spiraling thoughts with those tips and those new habits I had learned. Eventually, the paper became pages on pages and I self-bound it into a book for myself. Some friends and family noticed I was doing better and asked you know, what was the catalyst to this? And I shared with them about this book and I was encouraged to publish it. And here we are. So there you go. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's been really neat for me to see my pain have purpose um, and, and really be a motivator for me to do something new. I was going to say, sometimes those things that we see as our darkest moments, or our most difficult challenges, if we can get through them, they're, they're a, a teaching lesson, they're a, a teaching moment, they're a, a way to reinvent ourselves and come out stronger, better, healthier on the other end. Um, I, I always kind of laugh because I was somebody who always kind of, 
I don't need that touchy feely spiritual. I don't need any of that stuff. And then um, after my husband passed away, I started going to yoga at, and I always brag about this at the age of 55, I discovered yoga and that I had the same sort of thing where all of a sudden mindfulness, meditation, yoga, breath work, body work, all that kind of stuff just came into really clear focus, the importance. So um, I think that's really powerful though, for people going through any kind of issues in life. It is, it is to, to feel that there is something that can be done and that it's not all just in vain or it isn't something wrong or somewhere we messed up. It maybe is a part of our path and helping us awaken to be our best and highest selves. Yeah. I don't, have you ever read that book, uh, Radical Forgiveness? Oh, no. I got to read that one though. Yeah. I think the guy's name, and now I'm going to, I think his name is Colin <laughs> Tipping. I could be saying that wrong, but it's the, the book's title is Radical Forgiveness. And it's all about, mm -hmm. there's no coincidence. There's no action accidents in life. Everything that you go through is, there's a purpose and there's a lesson meant to come mm -hmm. out of it. Just kind of a neat thing. But it, let's get, let's get back to what you do. Cause I I tend to get off on little tangents. <laughs> so I'm sure that that didn't happen overnight, though. Can you do you have a sense of exactly where that or why that pivot occurred for you that you started looking, um, looking maybe into that mindfulness, looking inside for solutions rather than outside? Yeah, yeah. A really big event that happened for me was that someone recommended when they were hearing my struggles that I go to the Mind Body Spirit Expo that is was in Raleigh and is all over. And I'd never heard of it and I'd never been and I went and I just fell in love. It, it's I went on a Saturday morning when the gates opened and I stayed to Saturday night till they closed and I was there Sunday morning when they opened and I stayed Sunday till they closed and there was where I met my mentor, my shaman, my publicist for my book. I mean, I um an, an Indian Vedic I've worked with. I mean, I, I got my first crystals. I got my first aromatherapy. I just, the whole, I, that was a really big day for me because it was just like the whole holistic world was right there in front of me and I just soaked it all up and I've never looked back. <laughs> so I love that. And I think, I think that in times of transition, getting out of your comfort zone and trying new mm -hmm. things like not new, not just any random things, but new things that are going to be healthy, helpful, or offer potential for some kind of change in your life is really, really powerful. So, so I hear you saying that you distilled this all down into a book. So what do you think in your experience of working with people, with your clients and with yourself and in creating your, your book, what do you think are the biggest obstacles that people face when they're dealing with a challenge? Mm. I would say the biggest things that come up with challenges are related to focusing only on the negativity like that's going on in the challenge and be basically problem orientation instead of solution orientation which is natural and normal and very human and, and all of that, but it can just keep us stuck in the problem and limit our perspective of the solution. And another thing I feel like is a really big challenge for people is being stuck in the past. 
So just continually bringing with you throughout your day in your mental and emotional bodies, all the things that have been happening instead of leaving space for what's going to happen and what's next and where you are now. Those would be the two biggest things that I see holding people back. And how do you recommend, and you can pick one or do both, however you want to, however you want to do this. What do you think is, a? Um, I always try to encourage people to take the smallest step they can to see forward progress. Like don't try to go from zero to 60, right? So what, what do you think are some of the ideas or strategies or thought changes that need to happen to get people moving out of that past focus, problem focus, stuckness that they're in right there? Totally. So it's interesting. One thing we already kind of touched on is the thing that I love. So to get out of the past, really an easy way to do that, the past is always naturally flowing out of our experience. We just really hold on to it when we bring it with us in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our activities, reliving it. So a way to let go of reliving it is to do anything new. So we kind of touched on this, but a really easy way to do this without doing anything big is just to start in your daily routine and do anything you would normally do differently. So I'll do this myself when I feel stuck or something. I will sleep with my head at the foot of the bed. I will walk down the stairs backwards or sideways. I'll eat with a spoon instead of a fork, something that I would have usually eaten a fork with. I'll walk my dogs around the block backwards, like in the opposite of direction. Although I guess I could try doing it totally backwards. That would be really different. I I thought the dogs would go along with that. Right? (laughs) Try that. That would be fun to tape. If you do tape it, I want to see it. Why not, right? So it's just like an easy hack. You don't even have to leave your house. You don't even have to do anything big or that might seem scary. It's just tapping into those ways of creating newness and difference in your routines. It switches up the grooves in your brain because when we're always doing the same thing, we have these well-worn grooves that our brain is going around. So just doing anything to switch up those neurons and get some new things firing can lead to bigger new things coming into your life. It's a really fun, and it's like a game. It can be something fun to do too. It's kind of silly. So yeah. And then a And then as far as um, being stuck in the problem, really just an easy solution for that is the word solution. It's really just recognizing, having awareness that I'm being problem oriented and just saying, okay, that's the problem. And now I'm just going to turn in another direction and be open to solutions. It's not about needing to have the solution yourself yet. It's just about releasing your grip on the problem and stopping staring at it and just turning in any other direction and just saying, okay, I'm open to solutions. I'm open. And then maybe some new book will come your way or a new person that can guide you or a new technique or those things can come. You don't have to know them from the beginning. It's just really about your willingness and your openness to look somewhere different and let possibilities come your way. I love I love that because I so believe that when you're focused on the problem, there could be a thousand opportunities in front of you and you just literally don't see them because all you see is this big, huge brick wall. That's a problem, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's I, and I love that idea of just doing something simple um, a little bit differently. I know one of the things that, um, you know, some people are more pattern based than others, more habitual than others. And I. I used to drive when I 
long time ago, I lived in a big city and I used to carpool with a friend. And if our regular route to work was there was a traffic accident or there was construction, and this was before the day of GPS that would tell you, you had to get right up on it and figure out what the problem was. If we had to deviate from that route, it, she would lose her mind. Like she just couldn't function for the rest of the day. So if you are a person that has a lot of trouble with change, do you have any strategies for that particular person? I, I'm really putting you on the spot here today, Lucy. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm so here for it. So I do, I do. I have a fun thing for people really just dipping a toe in. And that is to not even try to change anything. It's just whatever your goal is. Just repeating the mantra and identifying and resonating with the phrase, I have a positive relationship with X, Y, and Z change. I have a positive relationship with change in this example. So it's, you don't even need to make any changes yet. You can just start nurturing your relationship with change with just that simple mantra. I have a positive relationship with change. I am open to change. I have a healthy relationship with change. So it's kind of the step before the step where you don't have to do anything. You can just nurture that relationship that you have with whatever it is that you eventually want to go do. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's a really good strategy. So I know you also do Reiki and I know I've, I've had several people um, comment on, we need to have somebody on the podcast that talks about Reiki. So since you're an expert here, let's talk <laughs> to you about this. First of all, for those who don't know, could you kind of give a basic definition? Um, because I know about it. I've never had a Reiki practitioner work on me or do anything like that. But I've seen um, I've seen it. I've seen examples. I've seen demonstrations. So tell us a little bit about what it is from your perspective. Totally. Yeah. So Reiki is an ancient Japanese healing art. And basically what Reiki itself is, is a spiritually conscious life force energy. And as a Reiki practitioner, I have been attuned to the frequencies and the vibrations of Reiki itself. So what I do is channel it. So I, uh, when I see a client, I call upon Reiki and I channel it through me into the client. And what Reiki does is it works on the client's physical and non-physical body. So we all have our physical bodies and then our non-physical body is in the space around us and science it's measured as a biofield in other cultures chi or prana it's the life force energy that is around us and in us and so reiki is such a high vibrational frequency that it flows into your physical and non-physical body and lower vibrations break apart and fall away because of the high vibrations coming in from reiki So when those lower vibrational energies fall away and break away or burn up, however Reiki is doing it that day, then without those lower vibrations, the energy can flow naturally and well-being can occur in the organs and the tissues and the cells of your body, which allows for the better functioning. And so is Reiki similar in essence or intent to say a more traditional thing that more people may be aware of like acupuncture which is breaking up that is it similar although it doesn't have the pins it's totally non-physical right it's so it's similar in that both are working on the non-physical and physical body so with acupuncture 
acupuncture is going in and working on releasing blockages just like Reiki does, like I talked about those lower vibrational energies. And acupuncture works on clearing out your meridians, which are the energy pathways that run through your body. Okay. So that's all about those subtle energy fields, that non-physical body and releasing those blockages, letting go of those lower vibrational energies. So similar things can be achieved. The difference would be that acupuncture itself isn't its own life force. It's done by a person putting the needles in and then that opens up the energy. Whereas Reiki itself is going into your body and flowing through. That would just be the difference. Yeah. And, and the reason I the reason I put that in there is because I have so many people who say, Oh, I don't believe in that stuff, but they go to acupuncture all the time. I'm like, do you realize it? <laughs> there is a it is, right? it is, it is. So- and Reiki is I was just going to say Reiki is also in the U.S. alone used in over 800 hospitals because was, of the, yeah. the back research that shows all of the um, improvements that it I can make. I was going to say there are a lot of studies online about the use of Reiki, especially in cancer patients, um, cancer recovery. I've seen a lot of stuff on that. Um, people with chronic pain, chronic health issues. So, yeah, it's it's well researched. It's it's quite a phenomenal. It's quite a fascinating um, study. Mm-hmm. So what, if people, if people have an emotional challenge in their life, so let's say they're not experiencing a physical issue, but let's say they're just feeling sad or overwhelmed or stressed, or maybe they can't even identify the emotion. Maybe they just feel off or not mm-hmm. themselves. Is that something that Reiki could address? Or wh- when would you come to see a Reiki practitioner? Yeah, so that definitely is something Reiki can address. So as I mentioned, we have our physical body. Then we have, these are non-physical, our emotional body, our mental body, and our spiritual body. So Reiki is working on all of those as the non-physical body. And basically emotions are, so we have thoughts that can become emotions that can manifest into physical pain. So they're all very interrelated, even if it hasn't become physical pain yet, and it's just emotional pain. Reiki can still help with that. And and if it becomes physical pain, it's, you know, there's just that correlation between thought and emotion and then manifesting into pain. So Reiki can intercept really at any time. And Reiki is really available for anyone, for anyone from people who want to just maintain their well-being, like like similar to how you might get a massage, maybe like once a month to just keep up that well-being, or you might get a massage because your leg is really, really hurting and you really, really need it. So Reiki is similar themed. It can be for upkeep or for times of of high high need. Okay. Um, and overall, I I totally understand with people that are like, what is that? I mean, I was honestly, I was like that before I had my experience with it. And it really the best way to understand Reiki is to just experience it because it's not, it's hard to describe, but once you experience it and you feel that feeling, then you can go, Oh, oh I, I get it. But if people try to tell you about it, it can be easy to just be like, Oh, that's yeah. silly. <laughs> but it's, it's, it really is. Like I said, I was fascinated with the number of studies, like clinical studies, peer review, um, you know, in, in medical journals, everything about the power of Reiki and how they're using it. Um, 
after uh, after a friend of mine's husband just had a stroke a couple of months ago and they started using Reiki with him after the stroke. And that was at the rehab center in the hospital. So um, yeah. I thought that was really kind of interesting that they did that. So what, what other tools do you think um, may be helpful for people that are listening in, especially, you know, going through difficult emotional things, big changes, big, tra- big transitions in their lives? What other tips or strategies might you want to share with people? Yeah. So a big thing when anyone's going through crises, lots of times what happens is you'll get stuck in fight or flight. So fight or flight is our evolutionary automatic reaction to danger. When our body perceives danger, we go into fight or flight. And what that means is that our prefrontal cortex shuts down, which is where we have higher neuro, higher thought And we operate from our reptilian brain, which is primitive and survival-based. And over time, this helped keep us alive as a species. It basically allowed us to react very quickly to danger without thinking things through. The issue is nowadays with society and technology, we have too many things that our body's misinterpreting as danger and sending us in this heightened state where our adrenaline and cortisol is pumping and we just don't need it going that often. And lots of times that can happen in crises. It happened to me. And so what I recommend are ways to recognize when you're in fight or flight and then to pause. And I have a couple of grounding techniques to do. So Easy ways to recognize you're in fight or flight are if your um, heart starts racing really fast, if your palms start sweating, if your muscles start trembling, all of that is evolutionarily so that your body is primed to run and have lots of oxygen and escape danger. And an interesting thing, too, is that your pupils will dilate. A dilated pupil lets more light hit your eyes so you can take in a better scanning of your environment for danger was originally why. So just those little hacks to recognize, to start being aware, oh, my heart's going really fast. Maybe I should pause. Because in fight or flight, we're primed to react instead of respond, which can lead to yelling, fighting, other disruptive behaviors. So First steps are recognizing when it's going on and just pausing. And that is huge. That is a huge first step of awareness. And then if you're able to bring in some grounding techniques, really good ways to get into the body are to tap into your senses. So to just simply label what you can see, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can touch, and what you can hear. When you do that, you are forcing your brain's attention off of your thoughts and grounding it in your body. So listening is very interesting. That is our fastest sense. And that evolutionarily, again, it's wild how we are just so set up by by time, right? All these things that have happened. So evolutionarily, that helped our ancestors be here, danger, when it was coming. That's why it's our fastest sense. So the quickest, fastest way to get out of your thoughts is to just label everything you can hear. And you can hear everything from the hum of an air conditioner to birds chirping to your own breath. Like at first you might think, oh, I can't hear anything. But if you really sit and play with it, you will come up with things you can hear. And while you're doing that, you're not thinking and you're not having anxiety and you're not having depression. So that's an easy one. And then two other neat ways to just flow in your body are to take intentional breaths. So breathing deep and long and intentional breaths. I like to do counted breathing. So counting it, breathing in for the count of four, 
holding for the count of four, breathing out for the count of six, and holding for the count of four. That taps your body into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of fight or flight. So that gets you in that rest and digest state. And one last trick is to do what's called a body scan. This is simply mentally bringing awareness to the different parts of your body and observing any sensations that arise and just letting them pass, just being a neutral observer, just mentally like envision shading your in, your body in with a pencil from your feet to your legs, to your torso, arms and head. And you'll be surprised when you realize how many muscles you were clenching and not even realizing it until you bring awareness to it. So those are those are kind of the body techniques, but some fun ones to get into in times of overwhelm. Thank you for sharing those. And those are really um, strategic and practical. And I think anytime you're working with any, um, even if you're familiar with traditional therapeutic types of management for um, for panic attacks, anxiety attacks, going into that, um, you know, uh, freeze. What do they call it now? Uh, fight, flight, and freeze, and fawn. Okay. Apparently, there's another one yes. now. Too. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, you know, you're going to hear that the five senses grounding exercise, the box breathing. I mean, you're going to you're going to hear those over and over. And I love that body scan. Sometimes I I tell people just pick your favorite color and just imagine it slowly dripping through like a can of paint, just running through your body and filling you up with your favorite color as you as you release each each muscle group that that touches. So same strategies and they are so effective that's why they're simple because or that's why they're effective because they're simple and you can do them even when you're in that oh my god what is going on mode you can still manage to do these so lucy you have given us a wealth of information and i've really enjoyed this conversation um what do you think is the most important thing of up and i know we've talked about a lot of really important things but what would you say you would like people to remember most about this conversation Mm. that the power is within you, that you have the power to have that well-being is natural and flowing to you at all times. It's just about being open to it. And when you're open to it, the right tips and the right habits and the right everything can come and align with you. But you have that power over your well-being and it wants to come to you. It's natural. It's there waiting for you, waiting for you to just be filled with it. And so it's just about being open to letting it come to you. What a great message to wind us up with. Now, if people want to, number one, reach out and find out more about you, or maybe even talk to you about working with you or want to get hold of a copy of your book, how do they do that? What's the best way? Yeah. So my book is on Amazon. It's called Daily Alignment and it's by Lucy Bird Hope, Bird with a Y. And then my website where you can also order my book is www.lucybirdhope.com with a Y. <laughs> and my Instagram and Facebook are Lucy Bird Hope. And all so. of that information is going to be in the show notes so people can find you. And I'm going to I'm going to put this in there. Um, I, I hope I can say this. Uh, and I'm <laughs> if you if you have the option, go buy the book directly from Lucy. Don't buy it through Amazon. As an author, it is so important to <laughs> 
not sell your <laughs> Amazon is great. It just they just don't. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't give the same revenue. Let's put it that way as it does for the author buying off your own site. So, Lucy, thank you so much for being here, and everyone, thank you for listening in. I hope you're going to be able to use these tips and strategies that Lucy has provided, and reach out to her to find out a little bit more and make sure you pick up her book. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.